It's true that apart from God, we can't do anything. But what we often forget is that apart from us, God can't do anything through us. Apart from our willingness, at best we can be unwitting accomplices in His purpose. But is that what you want to be? Everybody's going to give glory to God somehow. Everybody is going to testify to the truth somehow. Brother Matthew was talking to me this week, and, and he named off all these people that he used to run with and where they are today. But he told me there's not one of them that I would trade places with today. And I, I look at those who chose the alternative to the life God's given us. And the truth is, the life we have is not easy. It's not all roses. It's not all power. It's not all rejoicing. It's not without its moments of loneliness or confusion, mistakes. Amen. But I would, I would never trade any aspect, much less the whole. I would never trade any aspect of their life for any aspect of mine. I would never it is the definition of meaninglessness. And I am so thankful that God empowered me to make a decision. And I haven't let go. And I'm not going to let go. It's like Peter, when he said to the Lord, where else can we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. There is such a power in a free choice. I'm telling you, I've been there, and I know what would not have been freedom. I know it would have been easier to stay in bondage. But there is such a power in a free choice. One decision can set a course in motion that will be the momentum of your victories for the rest of your life. Amen? So I encourage you, if God is speaking to you, make a choice. Make a decision. And give that decision voice. Give it, give it words. Amen? And just see what God is going to do out of your life. I'm not saying you're not going to disappoint yourself. I'm not saying that He's not going to deal with you and discipline you. He does that because He loves us. But I am so thankful I made a decision. I am so thankful that I am aiming in the right direction. That I have gained ground. That I look back I can see the distance that I've come is still heading in the right direction. Amen? So what I'm saying is you can change because I changed. We're all still changing. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Let's tell the Lord, God, if you'll give me the victory, if you'll give me the conviction, I'll make the decision, and that decision will be my victory. Amen? Praise you, Jesus. God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We all know we need God. That's where I started. We know we can't do anything without His grace. We can't do anything without His power. We can't do anything without His love. We need God. Some people, they fill their need for God with all manner of things. People try to fill it with thrills, right? Scaring themselves, basically. Little child says, throw me up in the air. You throw me up in the air. What do they say? Thanks. That was just right. No, they don't say that. They say, do it again. Do it again. Do it again. Oh, until you just can't hardly stand up straight. But that's how some people live their life. 
they just find thrills and do it again, do it again, do it again. And they're not going anywhere. They're going up to the ceiling and back down. And nothing is happening. Just a little adrenaline is squirting into their bloodstream and they're feeling a little better about themselves. That's one substitute for God. That's one God replacement therapy. And then there's pride, prestige, that we're going to fulfill our need for God by pretending that we are Him, by showing ourselves what we can accomplish and who we are and how sufficient we are without help. And we build businesses and we do things that are admired by others. And we accrue wealth and people, oh, He's incredible. No, He's not because He's going to leave this world as penniless and naked as He came in. He's not incredible. Amen. He's wasting His time. And then people can try to fill their, their need for God with horrible things. They can inject pure poison into their bloodstream, heroin. They can, they can take cocaine, or they can uh, become addicted to alcohol, or smoke cigarettes to calm their nerves. They can become addicted to food instead of God. They can become addicted to sex instead of God. Amen? There's all kinds of things that people will use to fill their need for God. Amen? And the reason is, is because God is all-powerful, but somehow the valve from which the all-powerful God comes into the all-weak me, the valve is very small. So sometimes it feels like the all-powerful God is depositing His energy like a drip, drip, drip. And I'm saying, God, if you're all-powerful, just blow it into me. Fill me with zeal. Fill me with energy. Give me what I need. Amen. And yet, all of those valves represent decisions. And those decisions represent our free will. And our free will is necessary in order for God's love to be proven supreme. So ultimately... We don't have all of God that we want or even that we need. And we can point outside and say, God, why haven't you done thus? Or we can point inside and say, God, how do I get this valve open a little more? How do I turn this thing until it opens up a little more? And there are moments where for a minute we open up the valve. And it's pulsing through us like God Himself. The zeal to do His will. The power to change. The love for our brothers and sisters. You know what I'm talking about. But somehow the valve closes again. And so learning to be a Christian is learning how to labor to accommodate God in any way He chooses to come. God won't do it for you. You have got to figure out how to open yourself up to Him in whatever way He chooses to come. If He chooses to come as a blazing fire, you've got to stand out there like a man of straw. If He chooses to come like a rushing river, you've got to get out there like a drowning child. Amen? If He chooses to come like a whispering wind, you've got to become the biggest, lightest sail that can be blown by that wind. Our whole challenge in living for God is learning how to be moved by whatever God does in whatever way He chooses to do it. Our challenge is not to say, here I am, God, 
all my valves are locked and I've put Loctite on the valve and I can't open myself up anymore, but just do what you got to do, God. Work your magic on me. He's not going to work it. He does not want to make us efficient or even effective in our current state. He wants to change us because as we stand, we are not prepared to enter heaven. We are not prepared to let him be king of kings and lord of lords. We are not prepared to spend all eternity saying worthy is the lamb and hallelujah and giving all praise and honor unto him. We are not prepared to make him all in all yet. So we are learning here on earth the willful things, the choices of our free will that we can make that open ourselves up to God. And all through a meeting, we're opening valves or shutting valves. And consequently, we're receiving power or we're being left dry and empty and alone. And we can't blame God. We can only blame ourselves. Amen. Now, if somebody asks someone who can't sing to sing, is that not mocking their inability to sing? So when God asks us to do something, we get offended because we feel like He's mocking us. We feel like people are asking something of us that we cannot do. And we can't help but get discouraged because we don't believe we can do that. And we look at them and something inside of us doesn't like it. So if God asks us to meet a need or to do something that we can't do, He's just mocking us, right? Some of you are saying, no. Is He mocking us? Why is He not mocking us? Why is it not mockery? Because He knows everything and sees everything. And we don't know everything. And we don't see everything. And we don't even see things as they are but we see through a glass darkly, right? We trust His love for us, and we trust His omnipotence, His omniscience. Amen. Then we, we say, God, you see something that I don't see. I didn't know I could change. If you don't believe you can change and somebody asks you to, they're mocking you. But if you don't know you can change and you trust somebody and they show you how, you are elated. You are helped. You are excited. So it's an issue of trust, is it not? It's an issue of does he know what he's talking about? Does God know what he's talking about when he points his finger at you and says, you can do this? If he does, then you go home from a meeting saying, look at this, honey, I didn't know this could change. But watch what it can do. And if you don't believe he knows what he's talking about, you go home saying, I get so sick and tired of the same joke being told. Well, what was the joke? You can change, you can change, you can change. So it's an issue of trust, whether you have faith and elation at the Word of God, or whether you have disappointment and discouragement at the Word of God. Does God know you? Does he understand your way? What does he say? Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my rising up and my lying down. 
and you are acquainted with all my ways. If you can come into the presence of God and in every meeting, in every encounter, learn something where you go home and you say, I didn't know I could do that, but I can't wait to practice this until I've mastered it. What he knows, we don't yet know until he tells us, but we're becoming more like him as we believe him. We're being transformed into the image of God's Son, changed into the image of God's Son. Amen? What happens when God warns you three or four times and you don't change? What happens? Some situation comes, some circumstance of pain comes that might have been avoided. I'm not saying all pain can be avoided. Things happen to all of us, the best of us, constantly. But we don't want to be like the horse and the mule, do we? So why does a person not change? Can you change if you have a good character and a good motive and a good goal and a fervent love? Can you change if you have all those things, those good things, but you don't have what Brother Samuel was talking about? What am I referring to? Inward compulsion. You can be a person of pristine character and come short of the glory of God. What does it mean? What does the word sin mean? To miss the mark, to come short of the glory of God. Now, you can be a person of pristine character in an abstract sense and come short of the glory of God. Miss the will of God for your family, for your calling, for your church, for your time, for your life. You can miss it completely. You can be a person of love who really cares about other people and come short of the glory of God. You can be a person who knows the right way, who has the right goal, who has their eyes on the right prize, and still come short of the glory of God. Now, by, by all means, if you don't have good character, you're definitely going to come short of it. If you don't have love, you're definitely going to come short of it. If you don't have the right goal, you're definitely going to come short of it. But what I'm saying, if you don't have inward compulsion, you also are definitely going to come short of it. There's only one thing that accomplishes the dominion of God. Of the increase of His government and peace, there will be no end. And the zeal of Yahweh of hosts will accomplish this. Zeal for His house has got to be inside of you. There has got to be something in you that is unwilling to sit by and quote-unquote wait for God to do it. Amen? You have got to be someone who leaps to the edge of the boat and says, if it's you, command me to come. Do you understand the difference between sitting back saying, well, if it's God, he'll do it, versus that engagement? I want you to picture a destination that you've got to get to. Let's say the Lord says, I have an appointment for you. I want to meet you in Leroy tonight at the intersection of whatever that crossroad is and 308. Will you meet me there tonight? You have to be there in 30 minutes. Now, there's a couple different things you can do. You can start walking. Are you going to make it? You can ride a bike. 
you're probably still not going to make it. So you're going to have to take a vehicle. The vehicle itself represents your character. Leroy represents your goal, your motivation. Is that enough to get you there? No, it's not. In fact, if you look at that vehicle, what's the most important part of that vehicle? The engine and that there's gas in the tank. But the engine is the most important part of the, of the vehicle. It is the power that makes that vehicle defy its circumstance. That vehicle defies gravity. It zooms uphill. What makes that vehicle define inertia? Its engine. That there is a fire charging inside of it, releasing energy. And that energy is the gas, the oil. Amen. It's being expended. You can have a noble character. You've got the car. You can have a noble goal. You've got Leroy. But if your engine is clogged up, you're not getting anywhere. In fact, your vehicle becomes more of a problem than a blessing. How does a car with a broken down engine, is it better than not having a car at all? Does it make your progress easier? So a character and a Christianity that has so much from God, has the whole vehicle, but doesn't have that motivation, is it better? No. You have a form of godliness, but you deny the power thereof. Amen. You have got to have a force inside of you. There has got to be something inside of you that propels you forward. And God's given you the goal, and you have accepted it. God's given you the truth, and it's been fashioned together as the vehicle for your salvation. But God has also wanted to give you a fire inside of you, something that makes you a man of force that can defy gravity and inertia. And until you get that, you will not succeed in any ultimate sense in the kingdom of God. You say, why is my engine broken down? Because your upbringing has shoved rags into the exhaust pipe and crammed garbage down the intake and clogged the radiator. You have ideas of what it means to be a Christian and those good ideas that are not from the Word of God. They're crammed inside of your engine so that all it can do is go and never get any momentum. Never roll over and begin to fire. You think you're supposed to be sweet. You think you're supposed to be Mr. Patience. Mr. Nice Guy. Mr. Accommodation. You're not. You are not supposed to be any of these things. You are supposed to be God's man in a time and a place of war. You are not supposed to be a civilian you are supposed to be a soldier of the cross. You are not supposed to be entangled in civilian affairs, and you're not supposed to be wrestling flesh and blood. You're supposed to be wrestling against principalities and powers. You're supposed to be bringing down every stronghold and argument that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. If you want to have a fun life more than you want to be a productive instrument of God, your engine is clogged you're addicted to this or tied up in that, your engine is clogged. And the only thing that's going to undo it is you going and 
unscrewing those assumptions where you've crammed those rags in and pulling them out and discarding them completely. I'm willing to reassess what I think being a parent is. I'm willing to reassess what I think being a son is. I'm willing to reassess what I think being a minister is. I'm willing to reassess it all. But I am not willing to stay here broken down on the side of the road. I have an appointment with God. And I am not going to be disappointed. I'm not going to miss my appointment. Amen. I'm not going to live a disappointed life. I am going to meet him there. Every step along the way, I'm going to be there when God shows up. Amen. What does the Word of God tell us? The kingdom of heaven is forcefully advancing. And who gets a hold of it? Are you a forceful person? I'm not talking about belligerent. I'm not talking about obnoxious. But I'm talking about something that is driving you. You see, God had an appointment for us tonight. God had a message he needed me to get across to you tonight. And if I am beside myself, it is because I feel driven from inside to communicate this to you. I don't feel the luxury of sitting around and hoping that somehow it oozes or ekes out. I feel like your soul might depend on it. I am certain that the advance of the kingdom depends on it. You look around at what God is doing all over the place, these new communities, and you ask yourself, am I the kind of man that God would pick as the engine for his vehicle of purpose? Amen? And if you're not, you better get busy changing or else you're going to find yourself disappointed. And if you say, I can't, then it's because you think God's mocking you and it's because you don't think he knows better than you do. You don't think he sees what you don't see. You think you know better than him. But if you glimpse what God is promising that you can be, and you believe him, and you trust him, and you accept that he is omniscient, you are not. Do you know I can do something with that man that you never thought was possible? Watch this. Amen. And people are coming alive. You got to make a decision, don't you? That's where it starts, isn't it? That's your first little momentum. But then it's not going to be passive coasting. You're going to have to become a man of zeal, of action. Anybody want to take the rags out? Anybody want to unclog their engine? Anybody want to take the screws out of the valves that are locked partially open so that they can come all the way open? Anybody want to break some Loctite? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. We'll start, start praying. Start seeking the face of God. Lord, redefine what I think I know. Amen. Lord, show me what it means to be this and to be that. Show me what it means to accomplish your purpose. I want your kingdom to come, and I believe I can be changed. I'm not going to sit here and pout. I'm not going to feel sorry for myself. I'm going to feel excited and elated. You can do something with this vessel that nobody ever thought was possible. What is going to happen when we start coming alive? We stop accepting that these cars are meant to be inert blocks of steel and plastic. You know what's going to happen? People's toes are going to get run over. Some rubber is going to be burnt. I'll tell you a story. 
This is not on a sober note, but you can tolerate it, I think. So there's an Aggie who comes and he says, he says, I got some trees I need to cut down. He goes to the hardware store. I got some trees I need to cut down. And uh, the clerk at the hardware store says, well, sure, there's a lot of different saws. You just pick one that you think is best. And so he goes and he gets this little handsaw. He goes up to the counter and he says, I got what I wanted. The clerk looks at him and he says, that is a saw, but how big are the trees? And he said, well, you know, 8, 10, 12 inches in diameter. He said, man, that's a very little saw. Are you sure that's enough? He said, Let, come back here. I'll show you a saw. If you, if you use this, you'll cut through that tree 30 seconds. Please show me. So he took him back and he pulled a chainsaw off the rack. Big old nice blade. 30 seconds and you'll be through a one-foot diameter tree. And the Aggie said, well, that's amazing. That's fantastic. And he shelled out all the money. and He went and he worked all day in the forest. And he couldn't get through one tree. And he came back and he came to the clerk and he said, your newfangled gadgets, I tell you, they don't work. They don't work at all. He threw the chainsaw down on the counter. And he said, I'm going back with the old saw. And the clerk said, why? Is there something wrong with it? And he grabbed hold of the handle and he pulled the cord and the saw revved to life and the Aggie went, oh, what's that noise? <laughs> he had been cutting through the forest without ever turning it on. What I'm trying to say is people are going to be saying, what's that noise? We're like dumb Aggies. We try to do it without ever turning it on. We try to be moved. We try to change without ever turning the engine. We try to go out and do all the things that God has asked us to do without ever turning the engine on. Let the Lord pull that string and let others go, ah, I didn't know we could do that. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Doesn't matter how many years we've been in the junkyard with our windshield cracked and our windows broken down. Amen. And everybody writing us off as old Mr. Dead Car. Amen. If God puts his finger to that, that ignition, amen, and we take the junk, clogging it up, out, something's going to roll over inside, and people are going to say, whoa, what's that? What is going on? Something has gotten a hold of him. Amen. <laughs>